This is the MS Show, the podcast for people with multiple sclerosis and their families who want information and inspiration. I'm Bron Webster. I've been living with MS for over 20 years. I'll be sharing with you tips, stories and ways to keep going with MS. Hi and welcome to today's episode of the MS Show and I'm really pleased and grateful to a lady that's joining me today. Her name is Jen Warrior and she is a carer and she cares for somebody whose name is Dave. And I'll start by asking you, Jen, how's today going in the world of caring for Dave? It's been not too bad. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Um, Typical day for us. Just wake Dave up at 10 o'clock, get his meds down him, get the telly on. That's him straight for the day then. (laughs) (laughs) So he spends a lot of time watching the TV, doesn't he? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, crikey. So how long have you and Dave been um, in one another's lives? And I think there's obviously been transitions and things that have happened along the way. So just tell just tell us a little bit about your story with Dave. Uh, me and Dave met in 2005. Um He'd been diagnosed with MS for about six or seven months at this point. Um, And he just recently separated from his then fiance. Um, Then just by chance, we met online on an online dating agency because all his work colleagues were like, you know, you need to get back out there, get yourself a, a nice gal pal. And then he ended up talking to me and he won me over with his cheekiness and <laughs> just general lust for life really I mean in the face of such a a really horrendous diagnosis um it was just amazing it was just it just lit up the room absolutely lit up the room he did wow so you met on a romantic level yes and he'd already got his diagnosis of MS at that point had he yeah he was diagnosed with um primary progressive MS in November Oh four, it was it was around about a, about a year of um, investigations and whatnot that he had, um, but it was a particularly aggressive form, unfortunately. So what, about the around the time that we met, he was actually going through chemotherapy. They'd put him on mitazantron just to try and slow things down because it was just taking all his mobility away from him, which seemed to plateau things, which helped mm. helped us in our early stages because we could just do what regular couples did you know going to the cinema going to gigs and things like that and because we were both living in Manchester at the time which is a perfect city for a young couple (laughs) to be getting out and about and doing mad things so yeah it was just trying to get him to forget forget about his diagnosis really and get back on with life so you took him on knowing yes that he'd got this diagnosis yeah and knowing just how aggressive potentially it was going to be yeah so had you got any experience of looking after somebody or being with Um, somebody no um uh, weirdly I'd, I'd never sort of thought of myself as being the type of person that could be anyone's sort of carer um in any sort of capacity um I'd been in quite a quite a heavy relationship prior um 
And I also had sort of my own mental health issues that came from that. Um, but Dave, Dave was completely honest about everything. He said, you know, this is, this is it. Um, this is exactly what we're going to do. He gave me leaflets after leaflets and, um, oh. and this was like prior to, to Facebook and everything. So it was all leaflets and talking to his MS nurse and whatnot. So he sort of prepared me as best as he could. And he was, he, he always sort of said, you know, if you want, if you don't want to carry on, then don't carry on. But yeah, we did. And I'm very glad that I did. And you went on and you got married. Yes, we got married in October 2008. We had a big gothic wedding, um, <laughs> which was wonderful. Um, all our family and friends were there. It was a really good day. Absolutely really good day. Apart from when we were walking back up the island, because Dave was in his motorised wheelchair at that point, and he ran over my dress and started pulling it down. Oh, no. Which was, <laughs> which brought lots of merriment to the room, but not to me. <laughs> But yeah, it, it was a it was a cracking day. Lots of lovely memories. Yeah, yeah. So that was two thousand and eight. Yes. So your husband and wife mm-hmm. living life as husband and wife, and did, has that continued? Are you husband and wife when you look at things now? Um, not really. I struggled in. We moved into um, where we live now in two thousand and ten. And unfortunately, Dave became sort of housebound um, because where we moved to, we were told it was disability friendly, but it wasn't quite as good as we expected. It was just basically just a ground floor flat with a wet room. Um, But prior to this, Dave had taken him out on his manual. He'd keep his upper body nice and strong. Um, He could transfer. um, But as soon as we moved in here within the space of about two years, um, he, he lost all his upper body strength um, and ended up having to be hoisted. Um, and I really struggled going from us having this sort of idyllic family life. I mean, David sort of stayed at the same level with his MS for quite quite a few years. Um, I mean, we had a dog and everything, you know, the whole happy family life. And then we moved here and he just went downhill so quickly because he couldn't get that independent exercise because I was working full time I was often out of the house for like 12 hours a day um doing what I did and I just really struggled to separate being his wife and being his carer it was just I just couldn't connect the two at all Mm -hmm. so I just his his care needs got so great what were you doing at that point for him um it's just everything feeding him toileting him he had to be hoisted everywhere by this point I was still working a little bit at this point but I'd gone down to part-time but it was just I just we didn't get that much support from social services um it's quite limited around here what they will actually give you support wise and a lot of Dave's care needs regarding things like his bowel movements and whatnot Mm. is things which carers can't perform So I'm basically being his nurse and being his carer and I just couldn't separate the two. And I just, I just felt like his carer. I I never stopped loving him at all. The the love never died, but the romantic side of the relationship did, unfortunately. We're still here. Um, (laughs) Still here, still married, but you 
transitioned how you view yourself yes in in the relationship yeah it it got to a point it's been bedridden for about two years and I got to a point where I just I felt trapped I genuinely just felt so trapped um, and I think a lot of it was the, the the mental thing of being some someone's wife and the whole the vows thing of, you know, till death was partnered. It just it just felt really enclosing and I just couldn't deal with it. So we had we had big, long talks and I said, you know, would would you be OK if we separated? Obviously, he didn't want us to completely separate and he was quite upset by it because his romantic feelings were still there. But we came to the agreement where we'd stay together, but we'd like take our wedding rings off and just not having that symbol there. It felt like a weight had been lifted when, and now mm. I feel like I'm here because I want to be and not because, because society says that I have to be because I'm his wife. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's just been so much easier and I'm a lot happier and Dave's a lot happier and it's just it's just really really good and and we're so happy I mean we have we have our own little spaces our little rooms he's got his big tv and I've got my own little room and whatnot so we do have our own little separate lives but we live together and I'm his carer and yeah life's good (laughs) and you're and you're kind of you come to terms with that and you've done things according to what works for your I guess beliefs the pressures of having that symbol exactly with yeah. the weapon ring and everything yeah because I, I do read um I'm in quite a few sort of carers forums and it does get spouted quite a lot and there's this whole thing of if you're married you don't leave somebody when the polling it's like but it's 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 so hard to for some I mean I'm not saying this is for ev- it's the same for everybody because some I know some couples that have been through MS and they've you know they're married still married and happily married and a romantic couple and they have been for like 50 odd years but Mm. it was just for our situation it just felt like I was trapped and I was I was only here because I felt I had to be whereas now I choose to be Mm. you know and it's so much it's so much lighter on um, 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 me and that makes me a better carer for Dave yeah because I'm not seeing him as I don't resent him at all because because it's my choice to be here yeah. It, yeah. it's an it's an unusual one but that's that's sort of like I said the, the symbolism of us not wearing our wedding rings it just took that pressure off so much I mean I still call yeah. myself like if people ring up I still sort of say you know I'm his wife but we're not like a couple as such and all our, our families are, are used to that and everything so yeah 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 how did you get through and I don't I don't want to sort of put you under pressure mm-hmm. to have a difficult conversation with me but how did you get through that time when you were going through this change to your identity really isn't it it's like mm-hmm. moving from wife to carer so you're giving one up Mm-hmm. You're taking on something massive, aren't you? At the same mm. time, how did you, how did you get through that? What helped you? To be perfectly honest, Dave, it's just doing it for Dave, because at the end of the day, he's such, he's got such an amazing spirit, 
and I don't want him to end up in a care home. If I want to keep him at home where he's happy, he's got all his, his home comforts. I mean, Dave, considering that he's, he's completely bedridden, he's about to get a feeding tube and things like that. You know, he is at the very top end of the scale for MS. He's very, very well. I mean, touch wood. Um, but like mentally and physically, he's very, very well. And I think that's down to the fact that he's got me and I'm sort of that constant in his care because I've sort of mm. been there almost from the start, really. Um, and I want to keep that constant for him because I want him to live as long a life as he possibly can. And we, we know he's not going to, he's probably not going to live a, a, a really long life. But, you know, if we can, if I can make whatever years he's got left happy and keep him healthy by being happy and comfortable in his own environment, then that's all that drives me. I just want to keep Dave happy because he's such an amazing guy. I'm yeah. very, very lucky to have met him. But that is that is down to you. You know, what an, what an amazing person in terms of what you've taken on and what you're doing and what's driving you to do it. So tell me about these um, communities that you're a part of, because I know from talking to people that might be at an earlier stage mm -hmm. in, in this kind of situation, it can be quite difficult to know where to go and get that support. And that's, it's one of the things that has come out as being the biggest aspect that people that are doing the caring mm -hmm. want to talk to other carers and want yeah. to find some support yeah. so what if you don't mind um what sort of groups or support have you found for yourself uh, mainly through facebook groups um originally um there was one set up i think it's still going called living with lesions and um, there's like a ladies with lesions set up originally and then there was little offshoots that went off um and i was the admin for the living with lesions because they wanted to set up one purely for carers of people with MS and through that I mean this was 10 years ago I met people in that group who I still talk to now and I still consider to be amazing friends and I don't think I would have got through everything that me and Dave have been through with all his with his sort of increasingly like debilitating health um, without talking to people like mm. that and knowing these people from these, so I mean, online groups have been a massive lifeline for me. They truly have. I've probably stepped back a little bit as Dave's gone on because I do, because Dave is very advanced, I do feel like I can sometimes scare people a little bit when I do share his stories um, and how bad things can be for him. And I do think it scares some people. So I do talk, take a little bit of a step back and I don't share too much because I don't want to. And that's probably quite an important thing for people that are listening. That, yeah. You know, you recognise that Dave, like you said, is at the upper end yeah. of the scale and that his needs are very high. Yeah. Um, and we know that's not the case, but people do get involved in caring at lower levels of the yeah. scale. Yeah. And I think that's really important um, for people to recognise as well. Yeah, because it does affect the people in the caring position. It does affect your mental health. Oh, of course um, it does. It can be it can be incredibly isolating um, because 
nobody nobody i mean you'll you'll know yourself it's like nobody understands ms like someone who's got ms and same for me in my position nobody understands what it's like to care for somebody with ms unlike another carer so it's mm. finding those those people i mean that I, I am part of groups where there's like people with ms and carers and sometimes it can really work where people get on and you know they can really sort of share and empathize with each other's experience but I do, I do find in some some groups that I've been a part of you do get this sort of disconnect between carers and those with MS um because you know if a carer's on there saying how bad the day's been I can understand that people with MS would be like oh well how can you imagine how it is for us you know we have to actually live this um but I think you know people can and, and people can learn from each other I've learned so much and through me sharing Dave's stories I know that I've uplifted lots of people who are who are maybe in with PPMS who are heading towards like the later stages and they're like Do you know what you know I'm going to get through this mm. and whatnot so it's the, those shared experiences are, are really important really important I agree but I think it's about finding the one that's right for you most definitely I mean not you're not going to go in an online group and automatically like everybody that's in it you've you've got to and there's there's no shame in joining a group finding you don't like it and then leaving a week later no shame in that at all it's it's about finding your people really people who you can have a laugh people who have got a similar sense of humor I've got a very dark sense of humor (laughs) Very, very. I think that's what's got me and Dave through a lot of this. We've got incredibly twisted, dark sense of humour. So I need people that are going to understand that when I say things that I do, I don't necessarily mean it in a bad way. <laughs> it's just our sense of humour. Um, and that can be difficult. I know it can be difficult when yeah. you're in an online community um, because it's just, it's a keyboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tone is lost so much, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but I think for people that are stuck at home, mm-hmm. be it that they're caring or be it that their MS is dictating that they're stuck at home, I think the online groups are a bit of a lifeline. Most definitely. I would 100% agree. Like, as I say, I, I've, I've got people who I met 10 years ago through the living and ladies with lesions groups who I still speak to now and you know we send each other presents at Christmas and things like that and I got invited to one of them's wedding and I've, I've been up to Scotland with Dave to go and spend the weekend with with a couple of my friends up there so mm. it can spread out into your actual real life I mean the friend that we went up to Scotland to visit her husband was at a very similar stage to Dave so she had all the equipment in a house like hoisting everything and she was like if you can get up here you can come and stay. So it just opens up so many doors for people. You, you never know. You might meet someone who lives like five minutes down the road who you can pop out for a brew with. And are the groups just people caring for people with MS or is it a whole host, a whole raft of different conditions that are in these groups? Um, I do prefer to stick with the condition-specific groups um, purely because... I think sometimes there can be a little bit of one-upmanship with other conditions. Um, like some people could be like, oh, well, that condition's not as bad as this condition and I have to deal with this. And 
it, it it's not really conducive to a good mental state really when you, you're coming up against quite a lot of invalidation from people so if, if you stick with condition specific groups plus mm. it's like you, you can you can sort of you know you're talking with people who get specific symptoms if if a new symptom arises you can pop it up and they'll go oh right well my my partner's got this or the person I care for has got this and we went down this route and it's it's just so much easier just to stick with people in like condition condition specific groups really in my personal yeah. opinion anyway yeah no I think that's a really useful really useful tip for people mm-hmm. that are maybe investigating they're at the finding out stage yeah of what they're going to do um so Jen I want to talk a little bit about how it's impacted you personally so I know you said that you were working you're working Mm full-time so how has it impacted your work and your bigger future goals so what have you changed and let go of um I actually gave up work about 2015 um almost six years ago now um it was Dave just needed far too much care um he was struggling to administer liquids and even using his bed remote control was was struggle and when it got to the point that he couldn't use a phone if there was an emergency it's like right he just cannot be left by himself now Mm. we did try going down the social services route and getting some care sorted but the budgets are just so slim these days they just couldn't provide enough to keep me in work so sadly I had to quit but I just started to view Dave as my job then. Dave, that, that was that was my life now. Dave was my mm. job. Um, and I get quite um, competitive about this. Like if Dave gets poorly, it's like, why is Dave poorly? <laughs> it's like, I'm not doing my job properly here. And I'm constantly on it him with the diagnostic equipment to make sure he's healthy. And I have alarms on my phone to, for like feeding times and medication times and things like that. So... I view him as my job now. Over the last couple of years, um, I did start to have concerns about what would happen when Dave's gone. I mean, we're we're quite comfortable with talking about, like, the fact that Dave's not going to live a long life, you know. I mean, he's 45 now, which is brilliant, and he is generally healthy, but, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I was a little bit panicky about what, what what's going to happen after because mm. I'm literally going to be left <laughs> there's going to be no Dave you know yeah. I'm going to have no job yeah. and, you know he was my life and, and like was my job um so a, a friend in one of the MS groups that I was in actually um alerted me to a new open university scheme for um carers anyone who's in receipt of carers allowance currently um or has been in the past two years um they're eligible to apply for a carer scholarship and this is essentially uh, a 100 free full degree from the open university so this year i started psychology and counseling um because um i've struggled with mental health issues myself I'd really like to sort of give something back to that community. And if I can go down the route of helping other carers as well, like carers support work or something like that in the future, Mm. that would just be perfect because 
I feel I'm 100% well placed to help because I've lived there's not much that I haven't lived through when it comes no, to I being agree. a carer yeah so you know I'd, I'd love to to be able to sort of give something back so that that is now my life I've spent like I say I spent a couple of years panicking a little bit and then it took a couple of years to sort of get my head around it it's like right you need a plan you need to get a plan in place future proof yourself a little bit get some qualification behind you so I'm just doing a part-time degree now while around looking after Dave which is proving really good brilliant thank goodness for the OUA oh I know (laughs) it's such a wonderful scheme (laughs) do you get to choose um the subjects that you want to do any degree any degree that the Open University do um you, you can do it it's, and it's just 100% paid for by them yeah so, so ha- is that just something that you can find out through the OU website then? yeah if you go on the OU website or if you do like a google search for um, open university carers scholarship um I think they're just opening the applications um this spring for the next round so yeah anybody who is a carer or if anybody knows of any carers that would be interested in it then just go do it. I mean, I'm 39. I never thought that at 39 I'd be studying doing your degree, a bachelor's degree <laughs> <laughs> uh, in psychology. But here we are, <laughs> and it's such an it's such an interesting topic to go Almost down. Almost definitely. <laughs> well, so. I, I touched upon it a little bit. I did um, psychology for A level, so it's something that I've always had an interest in. But obviously, sort of life happened and things happen and you know I didn't tend to go down the original uni route but I made it (laughs) 20 years later I made it (laughs) (laughs) you are doing it so oh brilliant so Jen can I ask you something yeah in terms of when you think about your role as a carer Mm -hmm. how much do you think has come down to mindset and attitude and how much comes down to training and support and knowledge Um, probably mindset and attitude um is a big bulk of it personally for me I've not had much outside support Dave's medical team is fabulous so that side's covered um but when it comes to actual support from like social services with regards to my caring role it's it's been minimal very minimal um you you really do need sort of a heart of iron to get through this because there are some times where you just like I can't do this (laughs) I can't do this anymore (laughs) because they sent you know you've, you've got the life of another person sort of in your hands you're trying to keep yourself alive and well and keep the house running as well as this other a whole other human being and train training wise I've had none um I mean obviously we get I've been trained in sort of bowel management by um coloplast nurses for example um and when Dave gets his feeding tube I'll be trained in that the more nursing stuff but clinically Dave's not had much wrong with him um so I've, they've not really sort of intervened much with that so yeah the, the but, only person that's really sort of helped us 
what is Dave's occupational therapist. We've had her for about 10 years now and she's incredible. If I could clone her, I would do. I mean, she's, we're not even really dealing with her anymore because Dave sort of got everything that he needs, but she will sort of ring up and check that I'm okay. And we'll chat like old friends, like we've, you know, not spoken to each other for donkey's years and we'll talk about her kids and like, she'll talk about Dave and things like that. And she will help as much as she can, but, yeah, as, as I say, support and training isn't something that I've really had much dealings with. It's more down to me making sure I've got a decent support network, like, like friends mm. um, and speaking with my parents a lot. And that that's probably it, really. Which is a sad state of affairs knowing how many people are in the caring role most definitely it's it's my biggest bugbear I mean when you consider that for, for example respite funding I mean respite funding is different all over the country I get a grand total of 1,900 pound per year now that sounds like a lot of money but when you consider that the care home the only care home in the area that can accommodate Dave is 1,500 pound a week it's not a lot of money. <laughs> and you've got to pay for that out of your yeah. respite allowance. Yeah. So that essentially means I get a week a year. I usually get, for the past six years, I've had a week a year away. And because the problem that I've got is my parents live in Devon, which is like over 300 miles away. So yeah. it's the only time that I get to see it. And they can't come up here due to health reasons and whatnot. So that's the only break that I get. Um, I mean, yeah it's it's really difficult and um, you, you can get um various other pockets of funding but it's just sort of like an hour here an hour there which doesn't really help me <laughs> so because I need it's more on a day-to-day basis I can manage Dave as long as I know that I've got that week to look forward to or like even two weeks to look forward yeah. to to just get my head back together and come back like, refreshed and invigorated and you know I haven't spent a week getting up thinking about Dave first because because he's my priority with everything so it's just nice to have to have someone else make me a brew when I go to my yes. parents to just sit there and have somebody make me my tea it, it's it's just it's just amazing <laughs> yeah it must be and I think you know, if you have a baby, if you think about a baby and you're sort of mm-hmm. caring for a baby, but, but if that baby is not on the neurodiverse spectrum or anything, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're fully functioning, then it's not a forever situation. Yeah. So you can sort of get through day to day, can't you? Yeah. And sort it's a lot easier but- to get babysitting, I think. If, if Dave was a little baby, I, I think his mum and dad would jump at the chance of looking after him all the time. But because his care needs are so great and he needs somebody to stay overnight, it's it's just much more difficult. I mean, his brother yeah. is has been excellent. Um, before COVID, um, I'd get Saturdays off. Um, his younger brother would come over Saturday morning and they will sit and watch YouTube and play on the PlayStation and watch silly action movies and have a boy day. And Dave gets a break from me and I get a break. I can actually go out for more than half an hour without worrying about Dave. But obviously that's been difficult to adjust to because it's been a year 
since his brother was last here because it was like beginning of February yeah. when we, we I took the decision to stop him coming around because I could see that COVID was getting a lot more sort of prominent everywhere so yeah that that's been quite difficult I mean ju- just even just that few hours on a Saturday just losing that yeah. has been quite a struggle to get get my head around. So on top of the normal non-COVID one week mm-hmm. a year COVID has just really really brought it home for you hasn't it? Oh Not most definitely. Even get that family support that you were used to get. yeah there's just no breaks at all I mean it's it'll have been it's two years since I last saw my parents now because obviously I couldn't go down last year and I'm not going to get down there this year um it's things like my, my sister had a baby it's like the first baby in the family and I've, I've never even met the baby and things like that can get a little bit tough because because yeah. when when you're a carer for someone with such high care needs you can't just up and leave them I mean the the last time I properly went away Dave ended up in hospital so I've now got that in the back of my mind like if I go away is he going to end up in hospital again yeah so yeah Yeah. it's it's difficult to get it's difficult to get out of the mindset of constantly thinking about Dave it's it's quite difficult so having those breaks that those times when you know that he's going to be getting looked after, like I said, with the Saturdays, um, you know, it's just, it's so invaluable. Just yeah. even getting a few hours, just a few hours off, you know, my friend can come and take me for a drive. We'll go to an art gallery. We'll go out for some lunch and things like that. And it's just, it's nice to be me rather than Jen, the carer for a few yeah. hours. Yeah. So your identity is very much wrapped up in, this caring element isn't it and it's like Most definitely you've got no choice from what you're saying yeah yeah um I mean with not that, you would, to... not that you would no want to no anyway but... exactly um I mean with regards to things like carers assessments um uh, when you look at the criteria that and the things that they're supposed to cover in carers assessments and give carers access to I get none of it I get I get a yearly carers assessment. They they ring me up. Um, they're on the phone probably about fifteen minutes, and they say this, that, and the other. Are you getting this support? And it's like, well, I can't get this support. And they're like, right, okay, then, right, we'll speak to you next year. And it's it's like, come on, <laughs> help me. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine how all encompassing, and I guess you sort of you deal with it and you're used to dealing with it Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis but is claustrophobia a way of describing it potentially the feeling of most definitely as I say if if you get little breaks it's not too bad but I mean with with COVID sort of compounding things uh, I mean I know people who don't who are carers and they're not as I consider myself lucky you know they don't get a week away a year they don't get Saturday afternoons off they are literally 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year a carer and my I tip my hat to them because I could not do that I mean I've struggled this year I mean even just starting my university course I'm getting a couple of hours to myself in my bedroom where I'm studying so that's me time my time that's taken over from my Saturdays now 
I get 15 hours a week in my room where I do my own stuff. Um, it's difficult to sort of be you and not a carer as such. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, it's just massive. It's it, just it, massive is very, but... it is huge. And it, the sad fact is, I mean, there's, there's millions of us and it's people, I don't think people realise how little support there is for carers um until they're actually in that that role because I mean you know we have organizations like the Carers Trust and and Carers UK and you think oh they're, they're great but they don't really do that much to help us I mean we we may my friends and I will will post comments on their forums when they're like oh we're trying to do this it's like we'll try harder I mean even things like carers allowance mm. um it's the lowest paid benefit of them all people give up jobs i i dropped um a two thousand pound a month salary and all i get is care allowance what is that 60 odd quid a week like 67 pounds something a week and just even little insults like that being the lowest paid benefit you know we just we don't it's not that we want to be appreciated for what we do because you know it's our choice at the end of the day we don't Mm. have to be carers we could walk out tomorrow but we'd just like a little bit of recognition from the government and so social social services and stop cutting social care budgets and just give us a little bit more help I mean if I had a guaranteed three weeks a year away from Dave that I, I would be the happiest person on the face of this earth because I could spend plenty of time with my family. I mean, my dad's been battling cancer for the past two years and I've not even seen him. My mum's got various ailments and whatnot. And it's just so difficult that I can't... My, my friends all live back home in Manchester, so I very rarely see them. And it's like, we just want to be able to live a little bit of a semblance of, you know, we're trying to make someone else's life better. We just want someone to try and make our life a little bit better as well. Absolutely. To to help us do that. Yeah. And I'm totally with you on that. And it's, you've almost, as a group of people, you've not almost not got the free time to be able to dedicate it to campaigning Mm -hmm. to change that. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it feels. Yeah. Because, I mean, like protesting and things like that, (laughs) we can't. We can't go and protest because we're too busy caring. We can't go and take our placards yeah. down to Downing Street or anything like that because we're, we're too busy keeping people alive. Yeah. Or keeping our loved ones happy and safe. Yeah, but... you really are. Yeah, I'm, I'm sensing you really are a forgotten group of people. Oh, big time. Big time. And as, as I said before, it's not that we want people to be like oh you're amazing because I always feel a bit uncomfortable when people start giving platitudes like that to me oh you're amazing it's like well I'm not I just that's just what you do for someone when you care about them you know it's Mm nothing I'm not doing anything major with my life and at the end of the day you know we we do live quite comfortably and I do have my gin and I get to buy myself some nice, (laughs) nice boots every now and again and things like that. We we don't have a horrible life. It's just, it'd be nice if we had actual proper outside help 
to help us because I mean when when I yeah. speak to um my occupational therapist my occupational our occupational therapist she's the same she she gets so frustrated I mean she's tried getting equipment for us in the past and the council have been like we're not paying for that so and she's she's helped us with like grant systems and things like that to get us the equipment that we've needed because she's like the budgets are just so small it's ridiculous and it, it frustrates her so even the people in the jobs are getting frustrated because they can't do what they want to do and help people like us mm. so yeah and they can see what you need and they can know and they know exactly mm. what they would do for you it's really mm. hard really really hard mm. so it's opened my eyes I think and it's just thinking about the 24 by 7 by 365 days it is mm-hmm. a permanence that I just can't contemplate um I'm really grateful to you for telling us all about that um just to flip things a little Mm -hmm. bit can you see any beneficial impacts for you for being a carer oh in your life yeah yeah most definitely um I was I was quite a selfish person before and it's it's as I've mentioned, I've struggled with mental health issues and things like that. And it's put a lot of those into perspective as well. Just just seeing somebody like Dave going through what he does with a smile on his face. You know, he never gets upset. He never gets angry. Literally, it, if he gets angry, it's it's very unusual. I'll know that there's something really, really wrong because he doesn't even complain, bless him. Mm. um he's he's such an amazing guy and seeing somebody like that going through what he does it's it's humbling I feel I feel humbled and I almost feel honored to actually be a part of his life and the fact that he's enriched my life and and he's enriched my friends like what I mean one of my friends is now training to be an occupational therapist off the back of meeting Dave and seeing everything that he's going through and everything so he sort of enriches the life of everybody that he meets. So for, for me, it's just as much as difficult as it is being a carer, I literally wouldn't swap my life. I wouldn't swap this. But if, if someone said tomorrow, right, we'll put Dave in the best care home it could possibly have, he'll have a private nurse and butler waiting on him. I'd be like, no, <laughs> I want to look after him. <laughs> he's my he's responsibility. Yours, my he's mine. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's just massive. He's just, he's, he's just enriched everything. And like I said, I've met, I've met some incredible people along the way, both people with MS who, who have been incredible. Um, and like other carers who've taught me, things about myself and how to be better carers so the whole I would I would never say to anybody who in my position if I could like turn back the clock and and they said oh would would you still get together with Dave if you knew how tough things were going to be because as much as you can prepare yourself for severe disability you, you do not know what it's going to be like until you actually live in it and if I could go back I wouldn't change a thing not a single thing. I'd, I'd still do everything that we've done 
because the whole experience has just been incredible. And I'm going to take it with me throughout the rest of my life. Yeah. And I, just, I just want to help other people now. That's what I want to do with my life now. I just want to try and help other people because yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing just keeping him happy and comfortable. And so, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I just, good on you. You know, I just think you're at a place where you're kind of seeing the future as well. Mm-hmm. You're doing your qualifications and I commend you for sitting with me and just looking back at how it's been and then being able to look forward as well and knowing exactly what you want it to be. Yeah. So I think that's really, really a positive way for us to conclude, really, in mm. terms of um, could you just could you put it into a, a sort of words of wisdom? that you would pass on to somebody um but you said about you wouldn't change a thing yeah I think probably just know that you you're tougher than you think because I I my for example when I first met Dave and I told my mum all about him and everything she was she was happy and everything but she did sort of voice concerns saying I don't I genuinely because she knew my mental health background and she was like I don't think you're going to be able to cope when he gets really bad because my my mum's worked in care and she's seen quite severely disabled people and worked with them and whatnot Um, and she she was kind of trying to warm me off a little bit and she was like I genuinely don't think you're going to be able to cope and now, every time I speak to her, she's like, you've done me proud. She says, everything that you you guys have been through, you've just smashed it. And you've mm-hmm. just got through it. So I think you, everybody is way tougher than they think. And then they even know. Whatever, however, whatever level of toughness you think you are, you are way, way, way tougher than that. <laughs> that's brilliant I think that's a really good message to put across to people Mm. so Jen we're gonna finish now and I know I have mentioned to you we always finish with a couple of questions (laughs) for everybody so don't know if you've had chance to think about this but if you could be anywhere in the world Covid is not an issue so you can be absolutely anywhere in the world where would you be and then what would you be drinking? Oh, well, I've only actually been abroad once in my lifetime. And I went to Krakow in Poland mm-hmm. and it was incredible. And I would definitely be drinking Polish vodka because that stuff is like rocket fuel. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. So I, th- I think if if COVID wasn't uh, definitely back in Krakow, having a look at some amazing architecture, sipping on some Polish vodka. Wow, and you won't be see- you won't be seeing it for very long. You'd be on your back rolling around, yeah. wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, brilliant! What a way to finish, Jen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been really lovely. Been lovely chatting with no, you. No, I've enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening to today's MS show. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you'd like to get more involved with the MS show, why not join our Facebook community? Just search Facebook for the MS show. Come back soon for another dose of 
MS Information and Inspiration. You've been listening to the MS Show podcast.